Thank you, Jude. Really appreciate you leading us this evening. Uh, two weeks ago, we started this new, very short summer series called Slow Down, You're Moving Too Fast. And uh, we're only going to spend four Sunday evenings looking at this series. Uh, so we have tonight, next Sunday, and then there are no Sunday evening services here at Windsor during August until the very last Sunday in August the 29th. And I did say a couple of weeks ago that this is an opportunity to do something a little bit different. So it's a thematic series. So we're not going to take a text. We're not going to work our way through a book during this series. We're more thinking of a theme and trying to apply some uh, Christian biblical values to that theme. But I suggested uh, two weeks ago, right at the beginning and right at the end, that we needed to do four things. We need to slow down. We need to dance to a new rhythm. We need to rediscover Sabbath, not only a Sabbath day, but also a Sabbath heart, a Sabbath attitude. And we also need to learn to live each day well. And what does it mean to learn or to live each day well? We said it means to live it prayerfully, contentedly, and gratefully. And so we talked about busyness. We talked about hurry sickness. We talked about email. We talked about instant coffee. Uh, We reflected on that expression of frustration that uh, we've all heard and we've all said, if only I had more time. And also we looked at the character of God and we we tried to lay down a few foundations that we we recognize that God is a God of rhythm, a God of reflection, a God of rest. And uh, anyone who who spoke to me afterwards or, or since the 4th of July has said how much a lot of what we thought about that night resonated with them. Uh, that lots of us agree that we need to slow down. That we are moving far too fast. And it often feels like life is passing us by or days are passing us by and we're constantly running just to catch up. And there is a sense uh, that we know that something needs to change. But what? What is it that actually needs to change? Well, what needs to change in order for us to slow down and embrace Sabbath is a change of mind. Because actually, from a biblical perspective, or biblically speaking, nothing ever really changes until our minds do. In order to live differently, we need to begin to think differently. Or to put that another way, any deep change in how we live begins with a deep change in how we think. The biblical word for this is repentance. In in Greek, it's metanoia. It means a change of mind. And in Romans 12, Paul urges us to be transformed. How? By the renewing of our minds. In other words, he longs for us to experience metanoia, a change of mind, so that we think differently, so that we reimagine Life and specific aspects of life from a fresh perspective. But not just from a fresh perspective, but what's really important is that we reimagine life from a God perspective. Because as our minds are changed and as our thinking is renewed, then the way that we live what life and the way that we do life is radically altered or it is transformed. I don't know how many of you have, uh, have seen the film A Beautiful Mind. How many, how many people have seen that movie? Oh, quite a few. Right, okay. Starring Russell Crowe. 
Uh, it's a movie about John Nash, who in 1994 won the Nobel Peace or the Nobel Prize, sorry, for his original contribution to mathematics. Uh, but John Nash was a schizophrenic, and he inhabited a world that didn't actually exist. So, for example, the, the CIA agent who employed him in dangerous operations was just purely a figment of his imagination, a figment of his broken mind. And, by the way, for those who haven't seen the film, I am about to spoil it, okay? So, uh, sorry about that. But John Nash is, is in the movie, he's prescribed medication, but it messes with his personality. And so, through his wife's very patient care and sacrifice, John Nash learns to live with his condition untreated except for one thing. He disciplines himself to no longer heed the people and the voices that his mind invents. So even though they do appear real to him and they demand his attention, he refuses to listen to them, he ignores them, he walks past them. In other words, what he does is he changes his mind and in changing his mind, it changes his life. Now, I know it's not a perfect illustration, but the parallels are obvious that as we learn to think differently, then we learn to live differently. And as Christians, we do believe that God is central to that process. So this is not just about some self-help advice. This is not about uh, positive thinking. This is about encountering truth. It's about encountering the truth of God's word. It's about encountering the truth who is Jesus and allowing God's word and Jesus to impact and shape and determine our thinking, which then in turn will transform our behavior. But there is a, there is a tension here, a very real tension that, that we all experience. And the reality is that we do live in a fallen world, a world that actually forces us or at least influences us to think very differently from the truth of God's word. We live in a world that influences us to think differently from the truth who is Jesus. And therefore it is no wonder that so many people's life choices and behaviour contradicts biblical values and godly wisdom. And therefore that's why Paul, whenever he gave that advice we looked to a moment ago, he started out by saying to the Christians at Rome, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. In other words, don't listen to the worldly voices that clamor for your attention every single day of your lives. But be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Or don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. But how does this all sort of slot into our series? Well, what I want to suggest is that when it comes to Sabbath, when it comes to slowing down and rest, we need to think differently. We need to think biblically about these issues. Otherwise, we will end up just like everyone else, exhausted and burnt out, constantly busy, suffering from hurried sickness, and we'll simply end up fitting in rather than breaking out of the mold. Wayne Muller writes... Sabbath is time for sacred rest. The, the second half of the quote's on the screen. Let me read the first half. Sabbath is time for sacred rest. It may be a holy day, the seventh day of the week, as in the Jewish tradition, or the first day of the week, as for Christians. But Sabbath time may also be a Sabbath afternoon, a Sabbath hour, a Sabbath walk. 
Sabbath time is time off the wheel. Time when we take our hands from the plough while we drink, if only for a few moments, from the fountain of rest and delight. The question I have is, what is it that makes Sabbath time, and whether that's a day, whether that's an afternoon, whether that's a walk, what is it that makes Sabbath time different from all other time? The answer is a shift in our thinking and an altering of our attitude. Sabbath time is time that we perceive, think of, and approach differently from all other time. Mark Buchanan writes that Sabbath time is on like, or it needs to be on like every other time on the clock and calendar. We're more intimate with Sabbath time. We're more thankful for it. We're more protective of it. And we're more generous with it. So in other words, Sabbath time is time set apart. It's time sanctified, if you like. And that's not a ritual. That's a perspective. That's a mindset. Abraham Heschel, the great Jewish theologian, says, The task of men to conquer space and to sanctify time. The task of men is to conquer space and sanctify time. The root of the Hebrew word for sanctify, some of you know this, means to betroth. It's to pledge marriage. It's to choose to commit yourself, all of yourself, to this man or to this woman, whether it's convenient or not, in season, out of season. Sanctifying time works in the same way. You pledge to commit yourself, all of yourself, to this time, whether it's an afternoon, whether it's a day, whether it's a walk, whether it's even a few hours, and then you honour that time, whether it's convenient or not. So Sabbath time is time set apart. It's time sanctified. It's time betrothed. It's time you're more intimate with, you're more thankful for, you're more protective of, you're more generous with. The ancient Greeks had, uh, had two distinct words for time, just to make sure you're still with me. Who can tell me the two words that the ancient Greeks had for time? Like two faces. You. Kronos and Kairos time. And the first word, Kronos, it's a word we're familiar with because it's the root of many of our words like chronology or chronicle. And it's sort of time of clock and calendar. It's the idea of time as a sort of forced march. And the word derives from a minor Greek god, god called Cronus, who was always, as some of you will know, consuming. And so Cronus is often seen as the god of the driven. The god of the driven. The second word, as you'll say, the Greek word is kairos, and that is time as gift. Time as opportunity when something special happens. And in kairos time, you don't ask, what time is it? You ask, what is this time for? What is this time for? So this evening, when you go home from here, it can be kairos time. In other words, it's not time to be managed. It's not time to be used. It's not time to be got through before another week begins. But it's time to be received as a gift for something. There's a sense in which Cronus is quantitative time. Charis is qualitative time. But all of this, in a very real sense, does drive us back to the principle of Sabbath 
that has been there from the beginning of time as we know it. And that's where we need to really anchor everything. When God created and when God rested. And woven within the, the fabric of the Bible, and we said this a couple of weeks ago, is this deep need for activity, yes, but also for rest. For engagement, yes, but also for withdrawal. For activity, yes, but also for receptivity. And that's why God gave us a day a week and said, listen, observe this. Keep this. But part of our problem is in our thinking. Because for some of us, many of us maybe, grew up with an image of Sabbath time as negative time. Negative time. It was a time of rules and restrictions. It was a day of obligation. Or it was a day without play. And therefore, in a very real sense, we need a renewed mindset. We need this fresh perspective. And so just as we continue to reflect on this, let me just go back to the original commandment about Sabbath that's recorded in Exodus and in Deuteronomy. Because again, many of you will know that it is the longest of the ten commandments. And unlike the other nine, it takes two quite different forms in the two passages where the ten commandments appear. Now, both versions, Exodus and Deuteronomy, they both require the same behavior. In other words, work six, rest one. But each gives a different reason. And this is really just one I want us to to take away and and chew over in a sense. And this is, as I say, it's just trying to get us to think differently. But the Exodus 20 commandment, is to remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. And the commandment is very much grounded in the story of creation. This idea of resting one day in the week imitates God's pattern as a creator. So in both work and rest, human beings are expressing something of the divine image, something that we reflected on two weeks ago. So taking a Sabbath day or taking Sabbath time is remembering to rest. It's about slowing down. It's about recharging the batteries. It's about finding refreshment and to follow a rhythm of life that is modeled by our creator in whose image we have been crafted. So in other words, that is a creation perspective. Whereas in Deuteronomy 5, the commandment is to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. But in this version of the fourth commandment, there is a specific reference to the Israelites' horrendous experience at the hands of of their Egyptian masters. And the emphasis here in this commandment is that slaves didn't get a day off, but free people do. Slaves don't get a day off, free people do. This was a liberating thing. So when people stopped working on the seventh day, they remembered how God had rescued them, how God had brought them out of slavery. So in other words, this was a freedom perspective. And so Sabbath was a gift that was to be received with pure joy, to be received with thanksgiving. And as Christians, living literally thousands of years after the events of both creation and exodus, we still desperately need that mindset that both those versions of the commandments urge the people to adopt. We need time to rest. We need to remember to rest. But we also need time to remember what God has done for us. That is what is so important about Sabbath. Now, as we continue to think about this, I do want to get practical. Because what is good to do on Sabbath? Or what is good to do on Sabbath time? 
and what is not. Now, this is where you can tread on toes. And this is where you can get mildly controversial. Okay? So I hope I'm not going to do that. And I do recognize that the answer to this does need to be tailored to specific circumstances and it will vary in different cultures and stages of life. So what is good to do on Sabbath? Well, for me, this is good to do on Sabbath. You see, for most people, although not all, Sundays will make the best Sabbath day. And therefore, joining with other Christians for the celebration of word and this is critically important. Because this is about worship that restores. This is about worship that renews. This is about worship that refreshes. And when we meet together like this, we make the point that, listen, this is not just about a day off which is maybe how often the rest of society and our culture sees Sundays. But this is about a time to remember. This is about a time to recall, to reflect on our freedom, and to worship a God who has set us free. So Sunday worship can never be about going to church. It's about taking part in a renewing, refreshing, restoring activity. So in other words, this, what we do together here on a Sunday, causes us to remember, which is the Deuteronomy 5 dimension of Sabbath. But what else is good to do? Well, what many of us need the most is simply to spend time. Sanctified time, time set apart, carous time, quality time with our family and our friends. Sharing conversation and just being together rather than just passing like ships in the night. Good Sabbath time might also involve reading, reflecting, walking, praying, watching, playing or even moments of solitude as we simply be rather than feeling we have to be doing. That is the rest. That's the Exodus 20 dimension. Remembering and resting are good. But what is not Good, and as I say, this is where it starts to get. What is not good to do in Sabbath, Sabbath time? Well, three millennia of uh, Jewish reflection on the Sabbath commandment is worth thinking about and taking into consideration. And here's what I discovered they suggest three things that are not good work, commerce, and worry. I like this, and I'm I'm just leaving this with you. As I say, this is about throwing stuff out. This is about allowing you to go away and reflect on this and chew on this and come back at me on it. But I like this, and I'll leave it with you, just to think about the possibility of thinking differently. Working. Do you know, working seven days a week, we know it's crazy. But as we also said two weeks ago, and this is important, it's a startling display of pride that denies the sufficiency of our generous maker. Whenever we we don't take a Sabbath day, whenever we try to work seven days constantly, we're actually throwing the gift back in our Creator's face. To refrain from working on a consistent basis makes sense. It makes sense physically, spiritually, emotionally, mentally. We need a Sabbath every week. And then what about commerce? And again, I'm not wanting to be legalistic about this. I'm not wanting to say, listen, hey, Don't buy, don't spend. 
but they are closely related because they do depend on work. They create the conditions for work and often buying and spending are work. And I'm not necessarily saying, hey, listen, don't shop on a Sunday, but I am suggesting that you need a different approach to buying and spending on at least one day of the week. And finally, worry. And I know it's impossible to delete cares and concerns from our minds altogether. But at the very least, don't engage in activities on the Sabbath that you know will cause you to worry. Don't pay bills. Don't prepare tax returns. Don't study for exams. And don't make a list of things that you need to do in the coming week. And that could go on and on. Do you know the Puritans, and and I love this, the Puritans recognised that good Sabbaths make good Christians. Good Sabbaths make good Christians. And although that was a phrase captured centuries ago, it still rings true today. And I want to suggest to you that the practice of keeping Sabbath does make good sense. In fact, it bears wisdom, so much wisdom for people who are seeking ways through the crisis of these times and the stresses of contemporary modern life. Life was intended to have rhythm. That was the creator's intention. Life is full of rhythm. The daily rhythm of sunrise, sunset, the seasonal rhythm of winter, spring, summer and autumn, the rhythm of breathing and the rhythm of our beating hearts. The problem is that modern life is designed to wreck rhythm. It seems intent on knocking us out of sync And therefore what we end up doing is living these busy, frantic, demanding, cluttered lives where so many of us feel, you know, I've just too much on the plate. Or at least I'm spinning so many plates. And Sabbath time is about re-establishing a sense of rhythm. It's about making that decision. It's about making that choice. Do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to sanctify time. I'm going to set it apart as different from all other time. It's chronos time. It's qualitative time. And the primary reason for setting it apart is to rest and to remember. But if Sabbath keeping is going to become part of the rhythm of our lives, it begins up here. It really does begin up here. In the mind. Because until we think differently, perceive differently, and reimagine this gift of time given to us by God, we will not behave differently. And so I pray that God will transform us by the renewing of our minds. Let's pray as we close our service. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for an hour this evening to rest, to remember. Time that we have chosen to set apart, chosen to treat as differently from other time today, from other time of this week. And I pray, God, that you will continue to transform us by the renewing of our minds. That you'll help us to think differently about so many issues and aspects of life, including our approach to Sabbath and the need to rest and the need to slow down. And so we give you this week. We thank you that as we leave here, 
you leave here with us. You accompany us. You walk with us. You communicate with us. And so, Father, I pray that all that we have said and sung and prayed and done and thought about this evening will have been to your glory. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.